Hey, you're listening to Nach Stories, a deep dive into the fantastic anecdotes of ancient Jewish history to highlight how these incredible events, this bedrock of Judaism, is as relevant today as ever. We left off with Gidon leading Klal Yisrael. He turned down being the king. He said, the Rabbanu is your king. Yet as long as Gidon was alive and leading them, Klal Yisrael lived in peace. As long as we were going on Hashem's ways, the non-Jews didn't bother us. When Gidon passed away, he left behind 70 sons. Besides for his 70 sons from his wives, he also had a Pelegesh, a concubine. And from this Pelegesh, she had one son named Avimelech. Avimelech being a half-son, a semi-legal son, being born not of a full wife but of a Pelegesh, he did not have a stake in the inheritance of Gedon. And he was therefore consumed with jealousy and greed. He absolutely had to take over his father's rule. Avimelech began to scheme and connived the Jews, assuring them that if they don't appoint him as their leader, they're going to have 70 other leaders trying to lead them all at once. He convinced them that they're far better off accepting him and having one consolidated rulership. And he managed to convince them to follow him. Now, Avimelech, convinced that he had Kalisrol's backing, moved on to the second part of his plan. Fueled by pure evil and greed, he orchestrated the unthinkable. Late one night, while everyone was fast asleep, Avimelech gathered a band of thieves, bad, heated criminals, killers at heart, and sent them into Gidon's house. Breaking in the middle of the night, they went room to room, killing 69 of the 70 sons that Gidon had left. The only son that survived was Yasum. He was hiding at the time, a child. Every one of Gidon's line to the throne to leading Kalal Yisrael were wiped out that night. Avimelech was not concerned about Yasom. He was merely a child. After this bloodshed, Avimelech felt secure in his rule and sconced as their leader. However, Yasom was consumed with a deep hatred and need for revenge. But as a child, he was incapable and helpless. Perhaps, maybe, he thought, if he could plant a seed of doubt in the hearts of the Jews against Avimelech, bring about some friction, a rebellion, something that would make them distrust their leader, and perhaps make Avimelech distrust their loyalty, he can let Avimelech's reign come apart at the seams. Yasum bided his time, and then the day arrived. 
Avimelech was sitting outside, surrounded by an assembly of Jews, showering him with the honor that he so craved. From a distance, they saw an individual climbing up onto a rooftop and calling out. A hush fell over the crowd. From that safe vantage, Yasum announced that he would like to share a story with the Jewish people. He said, brothers, listen, if you agree with me, you're going to know what to do. And if not, that's up to you. Listen to my tale. Once upon a time, the trees of the world decided that they needed a king. Old humans and animals have a leader. Why not us? But who's going to lead the trees? They figured they would offer the position as the ruler, the king of the trees, to the most worthy of them all. They first approached the olive tree. Upon hearing their request, the olive tree replied, I'm too occupied producing the vital necessity of olive oil. You know what we use olive oil for? It's used on the Mizbeach. It shows Kavadash Tashem. It's part of the Karbonus. It goes on the best dishes. It's used as, as Meshicha to anoint the kings. I'm going to stop serving Hashem. I'm going to stop serving humans to rule over trees. Not going to happen. Thanks, but no thanks. So the trees went to the next Choshev, a tree, the fig tree. And they asked, will you rule over us? Again, the fig replied, I'm sorry. I produce a savory, delicious fruit with a tantalizing taste. I'm going to start producing this fruit so sweet to be king over you. So they moved on to the grapevine. Would you like to be our king? The grapes said, I produce wine that brings people happiness. It brings joy, comfort to the mourners. I'm poured on the Mizbeach with Karbonus. To rule over trees? I'm not ready to give that up. No, thank you. So with no other choice, the trees went to the lowly thorn bush. You rule over us, they said. The thorns looked back and said, you can't be serious. But they were down to their last option. Fine, he says. I'll be your king on one condition. I have to make sure that you're serious. If you truly want me to be your ruler, and this is an actual offer, I'll accept. And I will be a good ruler to you. I will offer you protection. I'm thorns. I'm dangerous. I'll keep you safe. I will rule over you royally. And with my, with my protective care and devotion, you'll be okay. But if this is just a joke and you're mocking me, then I curse you that a fire should emit from me and burn down all the oak trees and giant trees of Lebanon. Yasum continues addressing the nation. If you, Klal Yisrael, sincerely accepted Avimelech as your leader, then may that be with success and peace. Yisrael. May you have a long and happy life together, but remember, that in doing so, you're betraying. You're doing an injustice and harm to your former ruler. Gedon. He dedicated his life, his whole heart, to a nation downtrodden. He brought you prosperity, joy, and victory. If this is the payment that he receives from his sacrifices, so be it. But if your intentions are not pure, then may your fire come forth from Avimelech himself and you, the people of Shem, to each other, and may you kill each other. With his closing sentence, Yasom gathered his bags, ran, and hid, avoiding, evading their capture. While Yasom was in hiding, his curse came to be. 
what ensued was a presentation of that friction between Shechem and their ruler, a rebellion and war, Avimelech. In that war, died in a very humili humiliating way. Right at the beginning, quite quickly. He was approaching a fortress to try to break through, and a woman from, a, from atop the fortress threw a rock down at the approaching king, and the rock crushed his skull. As Avimelech lied there dying, he begged his servant to finish him <coughs> off. Let it be you that kills me, so that people shouldn't say that I was killed by a woman. Ironically, Avimelech was all concerned about the history books, what they would say about him and his royal death, and now everyone knows that not only was he killed by a woman, he tried covering it up. People watching Avimelech die in this shame realized, seeing his behavior, that he was in fact evil, and they turned their back on him and returned to Hashem. As always, when Klyasol comes back to Hashem, the nation stopped bothering us, and we again lived in Shalom. However, as the pattern continues, we again strayed. We again started worshiping idols, and then the enemies came again to oppress us. In that oppression and that torment, we again returned to Hashem. We heard the call, and Hashem sent another leader to save us. Hashem is always there. When we fall, we get back up. This is the cycle of Klai Yisrael. He waits for us to turn back to him like the moon waxes and wanes. That is Hashem's eternal, unlimited devotion to us. An unimaginable love and dedication. The next leader that Hashem sent us was Yoir Hagelodi. He ruled over Klai Yisrael for 22 years. Yoir himself had 30 sons. Each one of them had a city of Chamos Yor named after them. Now, Yor Agaladi is a, was actually named after Yor ben Menashe in Chumash. Yor ben Menashe had no children, and as a monument to himself, he built cities named after himself. The deeper meaning of this is that the greatest nachas that a person can possibly have is from children who are righteous, who are tzaddikim. The toldos, the offspring of tzaddikim, Chazal tell us, is their Torah and mitzvahs. That's their zikra and their legacy. Yor ben Menashe left over a city, Chavos Yor. Chavos Yor is Gematria 635, which is 613. The mitzvahs, plus 22, the letters of the Torah. The Torah and mitzvahs is what he left behind. That was his legacy, his memory for future generations. After Yor died... The Jews again sunk back into idol worship for 18 years. It's a little hard for, under, for us to understand why they would again go back to idol worship. We don't understand what idol worship is. There used to be an entire Yetzirah just for idol worship. Like today, people are crazed when it comes to money. They had a, a, a crazed, sort of inexplainable, definitely unrelatable today affinity to worship idols. And when the weak began worshiping, the strong followed in their suit. This time, the nation that came up to torment us was Ammon. This time, as we awakened from our stupor, realizing the mistakes we had made, we, we fasted, Klaisel, fasted, cried, and begged Hashem to save us from Ammon. Hashem this time responded, why are you asking me to help? You've been worshiping idols for 80 years. Ask them to help you. But Klaisel, no. We only want you. But this time Hashem refused to help. 
He said, I helped you enough. You're on your own this time. That was the response they got. But Jews are stubborn. We are We do not give up that easily. Acher went off the derech after hearing a boss call announce that anyone can do tshuva. Tshuva vadim shevavim, except for Acher. And Acher said, all right, no chance. I'm out. Chazal tell us he made the biggest mistake. The halach is that you have to listen to everything that a balabayas, a host, says, except for say, get out. The balabayas, the ultimate balabayas, the Rebbe Shalom was telling Acher to get out. That's not a time to listen. When Hashem told Klai Yisrael that he's not helping them, they didn't take that sitting down. Hashem said we were done, but we did not get up, give up. So Hashem, Kaviochel, gave in to our persistence. He, we defeated, so to speak, Hashem. When we say, Lamenatseyach, that means that Hashem wants us to be victorious against His decrees. There is no greater nachas that Hashem has than when He makes these decrees and He awaits for us to overthrow them. Hashem next sent us the Shaifet of Yiftach. Yiftach was an unusual person. Yiftach's father had many legitimate children. Yiftach himself was born from a woman of ill repute, Ezoina. His brothers, therefore, looked down at him, as made him an outcast, and allowed, did not allow him to partake in the Yerusha of their father. His brothers drove him out of their home for being different. There's nothing he did wrong, that's just how he was born. Yiftach, however, had some skills which Klai happened to be in desperate need of at this time. He was a gifted warrior, and the Jews realized that they had no chance at fighting this superpower of Amon without Yiftach's help. The Jews were very weak militarily, physically. They, they didn't have a chance of fighting back. So Klai approached Yiftach together with Yiftach's brothers, and they asked him, will you please be our general? Lead us in battle against Amon. You are the only practical chance that we have attaining our freedom. Yiftach agreed, but on one condition. He said, if I'm going to be your leader, I'm your leader no matter what. If we win this battle, then great. If we lose, I'm still your leader. That's the deal. Take it or leave it. Kaisrael had no other option. Desperate, they agreed. Yiftach was the new Shafet of Kaisrael. The truth is that they could not even begin to fathom beating this massive army of Mayav. Their numbers were outrageous. The sheer infantry, horses, weapons that they had did not have a practical chance. Not in the regular rules of war anyways. Yiftach sent a message to the king of Ammon and he says, what do you guys want from us? You're oppressing us because what? You want some of our land? Ammon... You're making a claim for this piece of land in Transjordan. Your claim is that it was originally yours and we took it from you. This land is not yours, explains Yiftach. Hashem told us years ago that we are allowed to go into Eretz Israel and wage battles. And he gave us two exceptions. No matter how much Ammon and Moab provoke you, you are not allowed to fight them. They have to remain because... Rus is going to come from Moab, and Nama, the wife of Shlomo HaMelech, is coming from Ammon. You have to leave Ammon and Moab alone. So we asked Ammon and Moab if we could go through their land. They said no. 
we couldn't fight them, so we retreated and we took a longer route around. Then we asked Sihon. Sihon was uh, one of the giants of history. He was a brother of Oig Melech Habashon. He was taller than the tallest mountains. And the older he got, these giants got even stronger with age. Sihon survived the Mabel by standing on these mountains. When we asked Sihon to go through, he refused. Now, Klai Yisrael with Yeshua going into Eretz Yisrael, we were scared of no one and nothing. We couldn't go through Amun and Moab, but Sihon, no problem. We went straight through Sihon, defeated him, and took his land. That land is ours. Part of that land, Sihon had taken from Ammon and Moab. He had waged war on Ammon and Moab beforehand, won some of their territory from you. We didn't take it from you, we took it from Sihon fair and square. Yiftach told the king, whatever your idols gave you, whatever they blessed you with, that's yours. Whatever Hashem gave us, that's ours. Hashem gave us Sihon's land, and we're not giving that up. Now you can imagine how much Yiftach, you see how much Yiftach was fighting for a piece of land, Transjordan. Imagine what he would have fought for every square inch of Eretz Israel. The king of Ammon was unmoved. So Yiftach gathered the forces of Klal Yisrael. He pulled them together. And with a complete dedication to the Rebbeinu Shalalem. With Hashem leading the way, Yiftach went out to battle. They prepared themselves to fight with his outmanned army. Once they were mobilized, he asked the Rebbeinu Shalalem, please help us win this war. And he offered them a carbon. He offered a carbon to the Rebbeinu Shalalem. He said that if we win, when I get back home, I will sacrifice. I will bring to it as a carbon the first thing that leaves my home. That's going to be yours. That was his neder. They went out to war. And like time and time again, with Hashem at our side, even though the numbers and the statistics and the strategies made no sense, the few Jewish forces obliterated the entire army of Ammon in a miraculous victory. Giftach returned home with pomp and fair. An outright miracle just happened for Klal Yisrael. They were saved from their oppressors for 18 after 18 years. As he walked home, his daughter came out to greet him. Watching as the door swung open, Yiftach realized that she was the first thing to exit his home. He had made a neder to be makriv, to bring as a carbon the first thing that left his home. He realized what this meant, and he let out an, an agonizing scream of anguish. His daughter asked, what's the matter? He told her what had, what had just transpired, and the neder that he had made, his daughter accepted to fulfill his neder. She just requested two months grace to go to her, by herself to mourn, to cry over her youth. The marriage that she would never have, the family she would never create, the woman that she would never be. Now the Navi tells us that after those two months, Yiftach fulfilled his neder, and there are two opinions what happened. And the first opinion, and Pasha Pshat, is that he actually killed her after those two months. The second is that she stayed isolated forever and nothing came of her. Now, the thing is that when it comes to Nadarim, we actually have a way out in a situation like this. If someone makes a nadir and it was under false pretenses, he never intended on it, there's a Pesach. You go to Chacham and he's mocked to the nadir. Now, Pinchas was alive at the time. He was a Kayin Gadol. And if 
Yiftach would have just gone to him, he could have been mevatel this nether. He could have avoided the whole problem. Now the Zayar says that he actually killed her after the two months, after she went out and did a spidey this for those two months. Why didn't he just go to Pinchas to be mevatel the nether? So the so Chazal teaches that Yiftach, being the general, the leader of the Jewish people, he couldn't bring himself as their king to approach the Gadol Ador, the chief rabbi. Now Pinchas, on the other hand, he didn't come to Yiftach because of the Kavad Torah. He said, he needs me, I don't need him. Both Pinchas and Yiftach lost out tremendously because of their stubbornness. Pinchas, a kind Gadol, he lost his nevuah. Yiftach, on the other hand, after his six years ruling, besides for having to kill his daughter, the Navi says that he was buried in the cities of Gilad, plural cities. Now, generally we bury people in one location. Plurality of cities teaches us that he was afflicted with Taras, with leprosy, and his body parts started shriveling as he traveled, and he buried them along the way in the various cities that he was residing in at the time. His stubbornness resulted in the death of his daughter. This is a biting lesson in the value of redifas shalom, chase after shalom. It's not worth it. Now, before Yiftach died, uh, before his daughter's dilemma, he had another issue. See, during wartime, Yiftach was amazing. It was during peace where he met his ultimate failures. You see, Ephraim was not invited. They were ready to fight, but they weren't called in to fight against Amon. And when Yiftach comes back and they're parading and they're all excited about the victory that they won, Ephraim was upset that they weren't called into action. He tells Yiftach, we fight better than you, Giladim. Yiftach was from Gilad. Now Yiftach, taking offense, said, look, if we had lost, you'd have a good taina. But we beat them. We won regardless. We didn't need you. Now these insults, this rift, between Gilad and Ephraim resulted in an outright civil war out of just a failed diplomacy. Now Ephraim tried escaping over the Jordan and uh, Yiftach set up checkpoints by the bridge. All the people from Ephraim claimed that they were from Menashe and they were part of Yiftach's posse. At the checkpoint, they had a way of testing whether those who were crossing were from Ephraim or from Menashe. They asked whoever was crossing, Oh, you claim that you're from Menashe? Say the word Shibailas. See, in Ephraim, they couldn't pronounce shins. They only pronounced sins, like the Litvaks. Say Sishyamim Tavoid. When this person from Ephraim said, Oh, sure, Sibailas, the guards knew, Yiftach's people knew that, that this was an escaping Ephraimite, and they would throw them over the railings into the sea below. In fact, nowadays, the word uh, Shibolath in English means a password. This is the source of that. So while Yiftach succeeded in battle, he failed miserably in peacetime. He lost his daughter. He lost his legacy. Yiftach was buried in Gilad. We're going to pick it up next time with the next Shaifid who took over after Gilad, a.k.a. someone you may recognize, Boaz who was followed by Shimshon HaGibar. 
stay tuned thank you guys so much for listening i really appreciate it this episode particularly was recorded because i saw that guys were listening and that motivated me motivated me to record another one i really love doing this so i really appreciate that you're listening thank you for learning with me have a wonderful day